Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and I'm your host, Matt. I got my shoulders this week, Rossi, and no, I'm never shutting up about it, so you can just expect that to be coming up every <laughs> podcast from now on. Um, with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Joe. Matt got his shoulders this week. Perez, how you doing, Joe? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm super excited for you. Like I, I said this on multiple times already, but when you got it, I was absolutely like I cheered out loud for you in real life because I understand how it is to want something not as not as bad as you but pre- like as far as I'm concerned like I know what it is to want and not have it and watch other people get that thing so I'm just happy that after 8 years you finally got it <laughs> yeah I, for me it was mostly the fact that people would every so often be like you didn't get those yet like no I didn't were you still farming him? Yes, I'm still farming him. I've killed him every week. This is the first. I think this is the first podcast in a long time I haven't gone and killed Ordos. Yeah, I'm never going to kill him again because I'm terrified he'll drop the shoulders. Yeah, he'll drop it and every I'll time now. Yeah. So, but yeah. I remember, I remember when I was hunting the Dark Shaman Transmog. I would get screenshots every week on Twitter from everybody who would get it or get multiple drops of it, and they would just like, "Hey, we got another one. Hey, we got another one." It's like. Argh! Uh, love so to do rage. that. Yeah, they do. Uh, also, for people listening, um, a lot of you felt the need to tell me that the model for the sh- shoulders uh, is in Siege of Orgrimmar. I I know. <laughs> I, I have that model. I, I've did Siege of Orgrimmar quite a few times. But it's not the same. It's not the same because it's a, not named after I, you. It's not named after me, and B, I should have that item always in my bags, and I will. Yep. This character will never take that item out of her bags. I will never get rid of this character. This character is permanent now. I may not play it, but this character will never be deleted. This character will always exist because this character has my shoulders in her bags. There are certain, there yeah. are certain items that you can just never get rid of. Like, I still have uh, Rock Ladar, and I will never get rid of it. I still have the... Uh, the the ammo pouch, the the blue dragon quiver, I will never get rid of it. It's useless. Yeah. It doesn't do anything, but I have it, and I will never ever get rid of it because of how much crap I went through to get that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, for everyone who's been, who's congratulated me and, and all that, thank you guys so much. It's huge weight off my shoulders. I feel a lot better for having it. Um, I've I've been working really hard to come up with transmogs that work with it, and unfortunately. It's kind of hard to see inside Black Blackwing Lair. It's all very red, but I've tried this. This particular mod works okay with it. The color balancing isn't quite right, but you can't tell since you can't see the color balancing since everything's red. So hey, but those are them gleaming away on her shoulders, and they'll be there for a while, transmog-wise, until I get bored. I have one of my other warriors who's literally transmogged to those, and that's it. I even took his pants off, <laughs> so he's he's wearing nothing but those shoulders. Uh, <laughs> Since I'm not playing him, he just stands around in just those shoulders and nothing else. Seems fine. But yeah, uh, we should probably talk about then their stories that we talk about from time to time. We here do talk about stories, podcasts. don't we? Yep. Uh, first off, this one's not really, it's not a huge surprise to anybody, but the uh, Mythic and LFR, Mythic rating and LFR wing one for Nihilotha have opened this week. So... Uh, if you've been waiting to do those, uh, if you're going to do mythics, well, you know, the mythic race is on. 
people are already you know chasing world first and that so good luck to you if that if you're in that um but if you've been waiting to do lfr wing one is open this week so uh i believe I, the item level for stuff is like what 420 430 i don't know exactly it's 430 yeah um yeah because that would make sense because it'd be 15 item levels below uh normal which normal. is 445 and yeah. i think uh heroic is 460 and Mythic is 475, except, of course, the last boss is 480. Of course, because yeah. because yeah, last they, boss shenanigans. Last bosses are tend to be up by one I, from everything else. I will up say the five. the interesting part of this news this week, though, is watching the Mythic, like, world first race and seeing so many Resto Shaman, like, in lineups. This Weren't is you talking about that in, in, uh, in work chat? Weren't yeah. Weren't talking about? What, what was the deal? Like you said something about a totem that they were using. So there's a couple options that are making me think that this this is why they're doing it. So one is that for a while, and I don't know if they ever fixed it because it's a totem almost nobody uses. There's an astral protection totem. Now what that does is it allows me to turn myself res into a combat res. It has to be out before the the target dies, but it lets them use the Ankh resurrection, just like they were me and then it burns my my charge of it basically now the interesting thing about that is back when it was first introduced it didn't count for the battle res timer or, or limit it it was just like a self res from a shaman doesn't count towards battle reses this didn't count towards that either and so i could see possibly for certain bosses them using this to sort of cheese mechanics because you can get a tank to essentially die in a very predictable fashion and have this totem down so that the tank can res and then drop all stacks uh particularly i think it's mott and hive mind where tanks have to swap and and they build up certain stacks you have a shaman with this you could bypass some of that the other one that caught me really off guard was the uh essentially stone skin totem and it's an area of effect totem. Uh, it's called Earthwall. And it's basically in that area of effect, it reduces every incoming attack by about 2,000 damage for the duration of it. But it's on a one-minute cooldown. It's an interesting uh, totem, but not one I don't... I, I don't see people use it because mathematically, most encounters, it doesn't really work out to that much saved versus using something else in the tier. But here we're seeing a world-first mythic shaman resto using this. I'm impressed and confused, and now it's making me want to actually do some testing tomorrow when my raid gets together. Makes me wonder if it's something where you, instead of taking a lot of like a like two or three big hits, you're taking a lot of smaller hits that end up being about the same. That's, it, that kind of totem would, would work really well for a situation where instead of taking three hits for mo like three, 30% of your life, you're taking 30 hits for like, you know, 3% of your life. I mean, but my, my question is, and cause I have, I've taken none of these encounters. So if anybody in chat has, or, or anybody out there has as a tank, are there fights, particularly the first three fights, uh, in Nyalatha that that's what happens because I know like rod end doesn't hit too hard. Like I, as a, you know, not tank can survive a melee swing from him, which is abnormal for a boss. But in particularly Rathion, Hive Mind, and Mout, like, are there small enough hits that, that actually make something like this possibly viable? Because if, if so, that's a game changer. I'm wondering if it's or, for or profit. profit. Why is that? Because when profit spawns, when profit spawns, all those. Oh. illusionary ads and they're all doing like a lot of damage they're all throwing damage around at once you know what that's a really good idea but i don't know obviously this is just me speculating it's just i keep thinking of it back in terms of my my idea of how to handle this kind of situation always goes back to algalon because i had to tank algalon back in the day mm -hmm. algalon would just smack the crap out of you as uh, you know he'd melee the heck out of people he swung hit an incredibly oh, yeah, high hard. speed yeah. He had a swing speed from heck, and it just anything that reduced his incoming damage per hit would have been amazing. I remember that fight very vividly. Tanking him was a nightmare. Uh, you, I remember I ended up switching to Night Elf in Wrath. For the extra dodge I, percent? Yeah, that extra 1% yeah. dodge. And, uh, and because you could gear in such a way as you could literally push 
um, crits and crushing blows can tire off the table. Off the table. Yep. Um, I remember having like I was the tank for um, Bug Guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. You know the one, uh, An- Anubarak. I want to say Anubarak. Yeah, maybe not Anubarak. Uh, whichever one it you know, Arthas's favorite Bug Guy. They kept bringing back from the dead. Anubarak. Yeah, Anubarak. Um, fighting him a mythic, not a mythic, but on, with the highest difficulty at the time, I believe was was heroic. Um, and having to like nobody else could tank him because they they couldn't, we couldn't get the gear to get them to push the, the crits entirely off the table, but I could push them entirely off the table because I had that one percent extra dodge, so I would tank him, and all I had to do was stand there, uh, and be a healing sponge because I wasn't going to get crit. I was going to take a lot of damage, but it was going to be very sustainable. So I find myself wondering if it's similar to that, where by reducing the incoming damage by 2,000 per, if it's a situation where you're taking 20 or 30 hits instead of taking two or three big ones, you're taking a lot of smaller ones, that could be useful. But that's just that's just speculation. I have no idea why they're doing it. But, I mean, you, you raised a good point. I didn't even think of that because the images from the Prophet do reduce damage. It's still damage, but they're not hitting nearly as hard as he does normally. But there's a lot of attacks coming out. So if you can, and I know for a fact that at least when we were doing it as a raid group, we were grouping up. So it's entirely possible that it's just a way of reducing that incoming damage. And now I'm going to try that tomorrow because that seems like something that might be incredibly useful. I hadn't even considered that because I've only seen the fight. I've only seen the fight once. I'm always thinking in terms of like how, how is the damage coming in? Yeah. Is it a one big hit or is it like 30 little hits? Because that's always an interesting thing about raid design that doesn't really get talked about as much as it could. And wow, this is very much Matt in 2014 right now. Sorry, guys. No, I mean, I, I think that's fine. But I mean, that's something I don't think about because of being a shaman healer. It doesn't matter to me how how many hits come in because I'm waiting for certain trigger points anyway because mm-hmm. of my mastery. So I don't think yeah. in that same way. So this is this is incredibly useful for me personally. Yeah, but uh, in, in addition to all that, which is cool to talk about and everything, there is one thing I've wanted to talk about for a while, and we mentioned it very briefly on Lore Watch this week, and I know we'll probably talk about it more, but this is something that, that's been introduced. Uh, they put in a new quest after Darkshore, and uh, I haven't gotten it to trigger yet, so I'm not sure what the trigger for the quest is. But in this quest, after you win Darkshore, Maiev t- sets you, takes you aside and says, you know, this is this victory is because of your efforts. You've you've helped us secure victory. It's also because of Taranda. And despite our disagreements, you know she is our leader. So she's gonna she's gonna say a few words. And you get a cinematic. It's an in-game rendered one. It's not like a big. It's not a big Sorfang type one. But it's you know it's basically Taranda saying, you know we've won. This is our victory. Darkshore is ours. Uh, and we we are the Calderai. We are the Horde tried to kill our un- unity by burning down our forests, but it's not the trees, it's the people. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's a nice thing to have put in because it sets up a lot going forward. We know now that the night elves have taken back their territory. Um, the, in the end of this, it's actually interesting to think about it because at the end of this, the night elves have, they've lost Teldrassil and Darnassus, but they've, they've got all their other stuff back. We know they're in Hyjal because there's a reference to them going to Hyjal. Hyjal appears to have replaced Darnassus as the night elf capital, which would make sense considering this, the relative safety of it. And we talked about that a little bit too. Like it's, it's literally the high ground. It is a world tree. They can but defend that. More importantly though, if you think about it, the, the forsaken are the big losers of this expansion. Yep. And it's kind of, it's interesting to see how this is playing out. Um, in, in some ways they've gained, like they now have new dark Rangers that are night elves, not just, the, the ones that are former Blood Elves and High Elves, they now have Night Elf Dark Rangers too. They, they show up in a quest. They're, they're visible. Um, but they don't have... Like, they've lost Undercity. Undercity's gone. Um, the, the, the Eastern Kingdoms has lost a lot of its Horde... Um, its Horde bases. I mean, the, they, the Horde lost in, in Arathi. So, Silvermoon's so, really the only thing that's left. Yeah, Silver, they have Silvermoon. I mean, nobody really has the, the, the you know... The plague, not the plague lands. Um, although nobody really is holding the plague lands right now, they're just kind of there. Um, but Tirisfall is gone. 
Like the yep. Horde doesn't have it. The Alliance doesn't have it because it's it's plague ridden and nobody can really live there. Even the Forsaken can't live there. Um, so that's you know the the whole starting area for the Forsaken, that's gone. Uh, I don't know. They're probably not going to put in a new starting zone anytime soon. But yeah, that there we're going to see some interesting stuff going into Shadowlands because. In a way, the Horde is more unified than ever, but they just lost a big war. They didn't get anything out of this. Uh, at the end of this, the Alliance lost a ton of people, but they they held their territory and even drove the Horde out of some territory. And the Horde didn't get anything for it. Like the, this, At the end of this, the status quo is the Alliance is holding... Well, not the Alliance. The Night Elves are holding the northern parts of of Kalimdor that they always held. And the Horde has lost Tirasol. And... Arathi. I mean, I'm, I don't know if they still have Hammerfall. I assume they probably do, if just because the Alliance hadn't bothered to go over and crush it yet. But it's very tenuous. And yeah, it's, it's fascinating to think about. And we, we don't know how this is going to play in Shadowlands. We don't know if they're going to even bother to advance the story in Shadowlands. I hope they do. I mean, it seems like they're set up to do it specifically, right? Because we've heard that the at least Tehran's story is going to feature prominently in Shadowlands in some capacity. And this is another indicator with this, this cinematic, even though it's an in-game rendered one that they're giving some forethought to closure. And then I, I shouldn't, well, I shouldn't say closure uh, to advancement of the story. So it's entirely possible yeah. that we'll see more uh, like from this, which is something we asked for, right? Like we, we, we want, <laughs> we want more night elf story. We want more, Tehran's story, this seems like a good vehicle to sort of launch into that. Well, I mean, credit where he's it's due. Mitch did an interview back in BlizzCon where he talked to the... To, I just read it and I can't remember who he talked to. Oh my god. But um, basically asked them and they're like, you know, Taranda is going to be important in Shadowlands. She's going to be in the Ardenweald story. We're going to see more of her and from her. So yeah, I, I definitely think that that's something that's going to go further. And I I, I, I'm not just saying that I want Alliance story here either, guys, uh, if you think that that's where I'm going. I absolutely want to see the fallout on the Horde side. I want to see what the Horde does to to bring the Forsaken in. Like, you know, you've got the Forsaken effectively squatting in Orgrimmar. How do you make a home for them? Where are they going to go? How are they going to play out with Talia now, too? Because we know that she's yeah. going there. Well, Kalia, not Talia. Or, sorry, Kalia. Yep. Uh, yes, Rachel Ghoul's daughter is not involved. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, seriously. Like, how, is Kalia com- <laughs> how is Kalia coming in? How you know? How is there going to be a new power structure for the Forsaken? We know Sylvanas is a big part of Shadowlands. At least some Forsaken probably still have conflicting loyalties. Some of them are probably still pretty loyal to Sylvanas. Um, how are they going to feel? Like, is there going to be another continuation where you get to like still be a Sylvanas loyalist? How does that work? Um, there's a ton of stuff that I, that the Horde really needs to have happen. At least some of it has to be dealt with in Shadowlands. But I definitely think the Forsaken and the Night Elves are both in places where you need to see what the fallout is for them. Um, in a weird sort of way, I almost hope that the, the Forsaken and Night Elves can bond over how much they want to punish Sylvanas for this. Yeah. Because in a way, they're both victims of her at this point. Uh, and you can't say that it was the Forsaken that burned Teldrassil. It was the whole horde. It wasn't, you know, the Forsaken weren't alone there. They yeah, weren't you, the only ones. everybody kind of went along with it. Oh, if you if you were doing that, either on Horde or Alliance, if you did the pre-expansion event, you saw a ton of Blood Elves and Tauren and Trolls and Orcs and everybody. It wasn't just a bunch of Forsaken doing the Dark Lady's will. It was everybody. She brought mm-hmm. the whole horde and they all took part. And, you know... Sorfang's the big hero because he died to stop her, but he also made her possible. And that's absolutely, it was his plan. The invasion yeah. of, of, of Darkshore was his plan. He's the one who's like, you know, if we try and push up this way, it's not going to work. We need to stage a major event and, invasion, but keep a force behind and go through the north. And that's what happened, and it worked because Sorfang's a good general. And a so, lot of people are trying to say that he was manipulated into it, and I've, I've seen this argument. He, he, he wasn't. He was presented with an opportunity, and no, and was, he he dove into it. He dove into it despite himself, basically the same way that you know you. It's like being presented with something. You're having a miserable day, 
but here's this reminder that you're good at something. So you dive into it to forget about your really bad day. That's kind of what happened here. He made that choice. So I like, always think it takes a lot away from Sorfang to say he was manipulated into I th- it. I agree. Because the whole expansion, whether or not you think they focus too much on him, this expansion was in large part his story. And to take like his agency away from him, no. This, he chose to do that, and then he chose to rebel against her. He, he chose, he saw the events, the effects of his choice. He said, oh God, not again. And he, he decided to oppose her. And that's all there. And it's really, those cinematics are amazing. So if you haven't seen them somehow, I don't know how you play World of Warcraft and you haven't seen the cinematics, but if you haven't, go watch them. I say this as a primary Alliance player. They're amazing. They're amazing cinematics, and they did a great job of telling his story. Um, but I want to see more. I, I do want to see more Horde story in this expansion coming up. And I want it to come from stuff like this. I want to see what does, what does the Horde do now? What does the Horde do as a council? They don't have a war chief anymore. They've never had this style of leadership. How does it work? Who who ends up making the decisions? Do they get together and vote on everything? Do they appoint people to things? Like, you know, there's there's a lot going on here. It's it's really fascinating. It's in some ways it's the best possible potential storyline for the Horde ever because it's how do you transition from an organization built around and dedicated to war to something else how do you become a nation because that's what they've never been and that's what they're trying to do yeah and it's really interesting to see how that's going to work out at the same time that you have an alliance that's taken a kick to the nards and doesn't know how to move forward and it doesn't the the way they've been doing things with the high king has not been working for them and you're starting to really see you know what actual authority does anduin rin have the answer is as much as he can compel. And right now his his ability to compel it is not as strong as it was. You have a leader who is straight up saying, I don't care. I won't sign this. I won't do what you say. And there's nothing he can do about it. And, and not only is that make or do it. And not only in, in this going back to the, the cinematic just a little bit, like who do you see in that cinematic? It's not just, you know, night elves. Like there are some, other alliance figures there, like Gen Grayman is is first and foremost. And when you're dealing with that stuff, like where she just simply won't sign and go along with what what Anduin wants, and here's Gen giving her that support for obvious reasons that we've covered multiple multiple times. Like that's a whole lot of tension. I think the alliance hasn't had before either. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's a lot there, but we we do need to actually talk about some other stuff. So I'm going to move on to this story because it's interesting. Um, while Classic has had Alterac Valley for a bit now, and people have not really been tremendously satisfied with it, uh, partially because when the, the thing about WoW Classic is it's trying to do something that's very hard to do. Uh, it didn't launch with patch 1.0.1. It launched with, you know, technically speaking, it was launching with patch 1.12. And they've staggered content to give you that feeling of original WoW where you didn't have stuff right away. But when they brought in Alterac Valley, for example, it was a much later version of Alterac Valley. It wasn't the patch 1.5 version mm-hmm. that launched when it did in, in, in class, in the original game. And people also, when Alterac Valley launched back then, not only was it a different version, but nobody knew it. You know, nobody had done Alterac Valley before it launched. Now, um, people have been doing Alterac Valley for 15 years. <laughs> so people know strategies for Alterac Valley that they didn't know back then. They hadn't worked out. So the combination of the, the, it being a different experience and the, the fact that people know it so well have led to a game that is not playing the way people remember it. Yes. Um, and part of the problem is, is they was never going to play the way people remember it because the original super long grinding AVs only lasted a few months before they patched it to make it not that because it was unplayable. People were like, you know, people were lately sharing their accounts with friends to get them through Alterac Valley because it was the most efficient way to get honor and get you to high warlord or a grand marshal. And people were literally like, you're not sleeping for three days or having their friends like they'd go to sleep for 12 hours and their friend would tag in and play their account and they'd just stay in Alterac Valley all day. And that's not something people do anymore 
for lots of reasons, um, including the fact that it's not the same Aldrag Valley. So without changing it back to like an earlier version of Aldrag Valley, like a patch 1.5 version, what they have done in WoW Classic is they've made changes to stuff like diminishing returns on honorable kills. Uh, they used to, the, the way it was, was like I think 15% reduction per honorable kill. Yeah. They changed it to 10%. Uh, because the way it was designed originally, when, when PvP was first designed in WoW, it was designed for open world PvP, like Taran Mill and all that, because that's all there was. So if you just got on one guy and just kept killing him over and over again and he couldn't fight back and he just kept getting killed, eventually that that became honorless. You didn't get any any honor for killing that person because they wanted to discourage that. They wanted to encourage you to look for new targets and to let that guy go, and maybe he'd run away, or maybe he'd go find some friends and come back. But in Alterac Valley, it's a closed system. There's no place to go. You're going to kill the same people over and over again, because that's all there are to kill, yep. unless they leave the AV. So they've reduced that. They've made some other changes. The interesting thing here, and I don't know, I want to get your opinion on this, Joe. These are changes that never happened originally. These did not happen before, before Patch 2.0. These are never happened ever, I don't think, in, nope. in Alterac Valley until they completely changed the, the system entirely. I don't think they, they, they don't, I don't think they even have diminishing returns anymore, but they never made this change until now. This is a unique change to, to WoW Classic. And that means we've, we've moved beyond replicating directly. We're, we're trying to maintain the spirit by making changes that were never in the game. What are your thoughts on that? I'm torn. Uh, this is a complicated set of feels. On one hand, I think it's disingenuous to the experience, but I kind of also always expected this to be the case. I'm going to come out and say something that I think is is not really a popular opinion because people love to look at, at Classic WoW through rose-tinted lenses. It wasn't a good game. It was the best game at the time, but it wasn't a good game. And you're starting to, with the reinvention of what the this is now, like people being exposed to it for the first time, you're starting to see some of that. Like this with Alteric Valley is a really good example of it. And again, I'm not saying that I don't didn't love the game. I love the game. I absolutely did. I wouldn't be wouldn't have been playing it constantly for 15 plus years at this point. But there are certain design limitations that existed back then that don't fit today and as a result you can't it doesn't match players remembrance or perception of it and i think this is sort of necessary i don't think you can just replicate vanilla wow or classic wow whatever you want to call it at this point and throw it out there and expect it to be exactly what players want. Even if you look at the, what started this whole thing with the classic servers that people were putting up, they were making these types of modifications to it. They were doing this all along because again, it's, it's sort of like the actual implementation does not match the memory. Do I, am I upset about it? Not me personally for me, I live through it. I'm good. Do I think this will get players to ex like be more engaged in this content? Yes. Do I think it's necessary? Yes. Do I like it? Not really. But again, I'm not the target audience at this point. So, like I said, complicated set of feels, and I understand why they're doing it, and I think it was always going to be a, ne a necessity, but that's where we are. Okay. I don't, I don't know that I'm different enough to really bother to elucidate what i'm thinking i think most of that's what i'm thinking so i'm just going to move on to uh there was a hot fix that went out uh last week i believe for various corrupted items traits uh, including infinite stars was the big one and there's several others that got meant they basically took them off of scaling with attack power or spell power and moved them to scaling with item level the item level of the item that they're on i assume um and the reason they did that was because, at least in the case of Infinite Stars, it was accounting for like 30 to 35% of people's DPS. Yep. Um, it was doing a ton of damage. Like so, so much damage. And uh, the, the adjustments are to bring those corrupted items in the line with it. They're hopefully still strong, but they're not 30 to 35% of your DPS strong. Um, 
that's I think one one fight I think the the, the infinite stars trait by itself did like 35k damage for a tank, but I'm I'm just this is me trying to remember. So if I'm getting the numbers wrong, I apologize. Nevertheless, huge huge amount of damage. Uh, and I get why they didn't they're doing it. Um, a lot of people are there's some people saying it's not enough and they're going to have to nerf infinite stars again because infinite stars has been nerfed and buffed and nerfed and buffed. Uh, they've they've been tinkering with that ability this whole time. Corrupted items, I'm still not really loving them. I, yeah. I'll I'll just say that I'm not gonna. This is not gonna be one of my you know my old Azerite items rants where I went on and on. Uh, I'm still giving it a chance, but right now I've cleansed all my corrupted items. As as a healer, none of them interest me whatsoever. Like there's ones like I would have loved to have gotten an infinite stars one to play around with it, but all the stuff I got was not that and meanwhile my corruption was making void zones appear and eyeballs shoot me and stuff chase me and it was just like no man this is even with my cloak up this is just too much like, i can't i like, can't do anything like, don't get me wrong i love the concept of it like i think corrupted gear as a concept is interesting i don't think the implementation matches the the idea of it and because right now and we were talking about this last night in my raid too all the corruption stuff is really heavily DPS specific, like mo the vast majority of it. And the ones that are interesting, like to me as a healer are I get more secondary stats and that's it. Like I, there isn't anything that makes it super interesting for anything outside of, I just want to do more DPS when that's not what we were told we were going to get. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing like you know, spawns a tentacle that shoots a healing laser out at you. You know, like imagine well, if it just randomly, or randomly a good void shot zone. chain heals into the raid, or a good yeah, void zone, or a good void zone, a good void zone. That problem with that kind of thing is people are not going to stand in it. But that would be funny. Like at least, it, yeah, it, I, I would at least, I would at least accept that and like give it a different effect. Like give it like, like Raden has this thing where if he gets both of his little his anima balls, uh, it's like electricity and void combined into one like you they can make spell effects that would look like that it's just i i wish it would have been a little bit more than it is so like me as a player most of my stuff is being cleansed right now i have one thing that i haven't cleansed and that's it, it yeah just... if you're not going to get anything that benefits what you're trying to do then why would you keep it absolutely um even for the, like me and i am i am playing as a dps warrior right now i am not playing as a good dps warrior i am not pretending that i am you guys Want to tell me I suck? You're right. I'm not very good right now. Um, partially that's gear, but I've made my, I've made significant improvements in gear, uh, except for weapons. I can't get weapons to drop it. That's you know that's the way of it. Uh, but in terms of you know corruption right now, like I said, I don't feel like corruption offers enough unless you get the absolute right corrupted trait, mm -hmm. and that's that's what they're trying to address. They're trying to make it so no corrupted trait is just so much better that you know it's that one or nothing. But the problem is, is that what ends up happening is that none of them are any good, <laughs> you know, or not good enough. It's like, yes, my DPS would be much higher, but I'd likely die. And I'm almost certainly going to kill everybody I'm with. Um, and that's the problem. If It's not just that you'll die yourself. If I die in a raid, who cares? They just just leave me dead. I'm, I'll be over here. But if I not only die, but I spawn a void zone in the middle of the group and then they all die trying to run out of it. Or then, you know, or or you the raid has to burn all of their resources to keep you alive. Then you know that takes away from the rest of the encounter, right? Yeah, like, like the, imagine imagine more void zones in the Mott fight, just randomly spawning another void zone when people are trying to figure out, okay, is it time to get in a void zone or time to get out of a void zone? Oh, I got in the wrong void zone. Oh well, boom, I died when it exploded. There's there's lots of stuff to it that I'm not super enthused about. But I do like the mechanic conceptually. Yeah, much I like more the than concept. I like Azerite conceptually. Yeah, I, I, I really would agree feel with like that. this is I feel like this is something that they could make work. I just think maybe they didn't have enough time to make it work this time. Um, I, I agree. We'll, so we'll see. But yeah. That's pretty much it for news, I think, unless there's anything you can think about that you want to mention. No, we covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna move on to emails. Uh, as always, if you've got an email for us, send it to Matt got his shoulders this week. Um, no, sorry. Uh, it's on my head. <laughs> but uh, if you send it to uh, podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or I got my shoulders, I mean, or Blizzard Watch, uh, and we will, you know, also you can go to our Discord 
Um, and we have a queue and podcast questions channel that you can get in there if you're a patron. And that's another way you can ask us some questions. One of the questions in the, this week is from that. Uh, also, I mean, I, I it's, it would be more helpful to send it through the emails or to the, 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 paid, the uh, Discord so I know where to look for it. If you, if you do um, tweet at me or Joe, we'll try and, and keep it in mind. But, you know, it's a big week. So a lot of times stuff will just, we'll just answer it there. Uh, sorry, but, but it really, if you do want to ask us a question, the best way is the, the podcast email or the discord. This is because we know to go look there. Um, but Joe's going to read it for us. So if you don't mind, Joe, I absolutely do not, uh, in light of blizzard saying there are no plans for 8.3.5. Do you think we might see an early 9.0 that brings in the new level squish and leveling system changes? So they have time to adjust and get everything smooth out before we go into shadowlands, perhaps a two or three month gap. Even the changes to leveling will bring back a lot of content that has been unused for a while, even factoring in the 7.3.5 leveling changes and will give people a lot of stuff to do when they get bored of taking alts through Black Empire invasions. It might make the long wait to Shadowlands a little more palpable, especially since it will it'll have a new starting area none of us have ever seen. From Miraline on Stormrage, proud Patreon supporter. Thank you, Miraline. Uh, Matt, what do you think about that? I don't know, because here's the thing. I don't know how ready they are with any of that. It is my assumption that, in fact, it is that which is the hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking that the level squish is the primary consumer of time right now. It's what they're working to get right. So if I'm wrong and they've got it all set to go, then maybe, maybe we'll get it early. Um, but if I'm right and that's the thing they're working the hardest on, then I wouldn't expect it Yeah, because it really does come down to what's taking up the most amount of time. Like I, I, maybe people don't remember this, but way back when they first did item level squish, uh, the very, 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 very first time they ever did it, things were incredibly unbalanced and it was, it was really bad. There were certain tank classes that were just getting one shot by bosses. There were healers that literally could do nothing and, you know, DPS that just had no, no effectiveness whatsoever. And, it took a long time to sort of get that balance right so that by the next time that they did an, an item level squish, it was fine. Like, the most recent one went pretty okay. Like, yeah, there was a couple things that were a little wonky, and that's always going to happen, but for the most part, it was okay. Here, we're talking a much more, I don't want to say difficult, but a much more involved process because think of how many things are tied to your level. You're talking about your abilities, your what you have access to, the scaling of those abilities. And now you're changing that into a leveling where they're taking not just one expansion, but they're taking, at this point, 15 years of gameplay and crunching it down into a manner that is digestible by this new system appropriately. This is going to take a while. Um, will, yeah. will, I was going to say, will we get a 9.0 you know, with enough lead time before Shadowlands? Yeah, probably. Will this be part of 9.0? Probably. But it's not going to be like a three, four, five month period of, of it. We might get like a couple months ahead, of, uh, a couple a couple months lead, lead time. Yeah, I, I think it really does matter. It, it does depend on how far along they are in that process. And I don't know. And I want to be absolutely clear on this, that I am not claiming to know how far along they are. Um, they might, in fact, have this all done. They might be ready yep. to go. Um, if they are not, though, this is the big development. This is the thing that takes the most time. And, you know, I remember doing the, the Cata beta, and there were some significant wonky periods in that thing. Oh, yeah. And Cata had a lot of things to test. Um, one of the things it had to test uh, was, you know, redesigning all the content across multiple, you know, zones. Now imagine making multiple expansions worth of content work. You know, there, there's like taking it from 120 levels where it is currently. Everything that currently fits within 120 levels will have to fit within 50. And I mean, just think of your talents. I mean, my, you know, you, you look at your talent bar and your talents right now, 
they're like level 15, level 30, level 45, level 60, level 75, level 90, and level 100. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tiers of talents. Are we going to have seven tiers of talents at level 50? Because that's not an easily divisible number. Like, are we going to go like, you know, 1, 10, 20, 30, 40, and 50? Are we going to then have more in between them? I mean, you know, how is it going to work? And that's just one of many, many questions. So they might have it all set to go. I don't know. I'm not in there. I'm not watching the development. I'm just watching it from outside. Yep. But I definitely think that if that's been dealt with, if that if they are relatively happy with how that's going to work and they're ready for that to be tested, that will come out. Uh, but until it does, we really were just speculating. I don't think we're going to see more than like at the most a two month period between uh, 9.0 dropping yeah. and Shadowlands dropping, and that seems like a long time to me. Yeah, and I, I, I was going to say I think two months is probably the longest gap we'd see that would be feasible because it gives them time to make adjustments, but and without you know literally just throwing it out there and seeing what sticks, it gives them time to make adjustments and, and do their rollback stuff, but gives players enough time to get acclimated to it. Cause that's the other part of the balance too, that, that we, we can't know. Right. And this is something that we as players, everybody has an, a very specific view on how long they need to get used to something. And that's different for everybody. So when you're looking from game development standpoint, those folks have to sit down and, and sort of find where the middle point is. What's the average, right? How much how much do we think the average player base is going to need to get acclimated to this new system? And so they have to kind of figure that out in uh, on top of already having to figure out how to make the system work and then figure out when they can release it. So I think two months to me sounds good, but, you know, we don't know. That could be nowhere close. They could want four months. They could want one month. But we'll find out soon enough, I think. probably They'll probably make some, some announcement in the next coming months. At least I would imagine. I just probably just said, yes, I agree with you. And then I realized I said it without my thing <laughs> press. So, yeah. I All think right. we're on the same page. Next question. Hi, watchers. So after listening to the Illidan novel and recently playing through the Demon Hunter starting experience again, I'm wondering why only elves are available to be Demon Hunters. From what I understood, the most important thing to become a Demon Hunter is the ability to conquer your demon, both internally and literally, as well as having a hearty constitution for recovery. Is there anything I'm missing that makes the process elf exclusive? Also, what race would you be most excited to see as a demon hunter? I think Torin would be amazing. Thanks for doing the lights work, Yunara, Drenai Paladin on Proudmoor. I uh, think it's purely a lore thing. Um, Illidan's, you know, followers were made up of two main groups. They were Kael'thas's blood elves, who followed him because they were following Kael'thas, and they were individual night elves that sought him out. Like Illidan had, Illidan's one of those people who is famous in night elf society and not necessarily always positively, but there are always people that look upon his reputation and say, no, he's right. You know, he was right about the demons. He was right about magic. He knows the way to do this. We should have listened to him. That kind of thing. When, when he got freed during the third war and he, you know, took the fight to the demons in Felwood and became what he is now, he effectively became a legend and a, and a rebel in his society. And there were plenty of night elves who, after they like, you know, after the demons came and burned their homes down and destroyed everything. Cause keep in mind, Philwood was full of night elves. That was a night elf forest. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always Felwood. It was a place. Lots of night elves lived. Ashenvale, lots of places in Ashenvale got burned by the demons. Um, Feralos, there's like, you know, there's demon scars all over the planet. Everywhere the demons went, they killed somebody. And a lot of times those are night elves and a lot of those night elves, it's very similar to the druids of the flame who turned to Frandall Staghelm after the horde burned their towns and villages, you know, before the cataclysm, there's that tendency to look for a solution. And Illidan was out here saying, no, you want revenge. I, here's how to get it. You want to destroy the, the, the Legion. Like I do F- forget them. Come with me. He wasn't actually trying to recruit them. They were coming to him. Yep. You know, so they found him. Yeah. And it's like, uh, there's that one guy, altruist, the, the sufferer who's like the iconic 
personification of that trend. And you see it in the uh, the Legion short for the Demon Hunters. You see the, the various other Demon Hunters, and you see how one, you know, got there, how she pledged herself to him. They're, they're you know, it's it's worth keeping in mind that that's, it's all lore-based. It's all, there were Night Elves that knew of him and sought him out, and there were Blood Elves who followed him because Kael'thas pledged them to him. And then after, when they found out Kael'thas had gone over to the Legion, they felt doubly betrayed, and so they stuck with Illidan. Yeah, that's I, why. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there's no, like, lore reason that it can only be that race. It's more that that's the way the story went. And, and it's very much and, like the... It's even more like the Death Knights. Remember how the Death Knights, for a long time, you couldn't be a Death Knight if you were any other group than the groups that were there for, like, after the Third War? Mm-hmm. Because all Death Knights... If you started a Death Knight, technically your Death Knight was started by Arthas, even though Arthas is now dead. It wasn't until recently they were like, okay, Balvar is making new ones. There's nobody to make new Demon Hunters. Illidan was the guy doing it, and he's gone now. There's nobody... If you roll a Demon Hunter, you're rolling a character who became a Demon Hunter back during the Burning Crusade and then got put in a stasis for like 10 years. You went you know, you know, went and did Illidan's job, and then you got imprisoned by Maiev mm-hmm. after Illidan got beaten at the Black Temple, and then you got out. So yeah, you're only a Night Elf or a Blood Elf because that's the only ones he trained. And he now, didn't train anymore, and he didn't make any more. Now, could it be possible that they would figure out how, like, some of the ones that are left would figure out how to do it? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? But don't forget that it's also a constant battle for them with their demons as well. Like, it's not just a one and done. Like, it's a constant yeah. process. Now, I've seen, like, throughout Legion, you saw demon hunters who turned to the Legion or blew up. This one guy, I remember this very clearly during the Legion um, demon hunter leveling experience. One of your friends blows up. Yep. He just straight up, at one point, he's like, I can't, I can't. And you're like, oh, okay. All that happened. Yeah, everybody else all right? Yeah, okay, good. Now, that said, if we were living in a fantastical world in which, you know, we are, but if any race could become a demon hunter, I mean, Torrin would be really, really fun because I, I think the juxtaposition of, like, the high agility versus that versus, like, a Torrin, which is not normally associated with a high agility uh, sort of setup would be interesting. Personally, hunters, shaman, so. but I would like to see dwarf demon hunters because I think it would be absolutely hysterical to see a tiny dwarf flipping around all stout-like with glaives and doing the demon hunter thing. That would be where my I would like to have this happen would go. <laughs> mine, is, mine is interesting in that I want, first off, I want this group as an allied race. And that group is the Eridar. Okay. I want the Eridar as an allied race. Uh, I want specific, like, like a sub-faction of Eridar who are like, you know what? This didn't work out. I think the Legion was a bad idea. But they're, you know, forever corrupted. They can't, you know, you can't un... They're felt-touched. Yeah. Yeah. So you could have them as, like, this special... Maybe they could join the Horde. The Horde seems to like taking in people who have, like, you know... You know, I did this to myself, but it still sucks. Stories. Um, you can have them join the horde, and you can have them as demon hunters. A special, maybe the horde tries to reverse engineer it using Eridar knowledge, because the Eridar know all about demons. So maybe you could get like a—they're not Illidan's demon hunters, but they have all the same basic abilities because they understand demons and they know about—they know how to do it. So that's one possibility for that matter since enough demon hunters did break and join the, the legion mm-hmm. they probably got enough of a grasp of their secrets to know how to do it um, but so I mean, there's that, that would be something i'd be interested in yeah other than that though i mean Torin is just funny and, and dwarf is kind of interesting but i mean it feels really weird that you can't be a void elf or nightborn demon hunter because i mean you know it's such an elfy thing but only the main elves can do it so well, I mean, and that it, could happen too. I don't and know. that goes and that goes back to the story thing, like the disenfranchised elves that oh, know yeah, about totally. this man from Absolutely. legend, right? Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely, I, I totally, I get why they didn't broaden it and leave like, open to more people. I understand what they were doing and the story they were telling. Uh, and I know Sylvanas. I'm I'm sorry, but I, I agree. But nevertheless, <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to get them. Sorry about that, guys. That's okay. <laughs> Just, at this point, I kind of want to go get my dog and have her bark a little bit because I miss her. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, 
I honestly, and I would love to hear what other people would like to to would they would like to see as demon hunters if that ever became a possibility. So if you're out there, let us know because I would absolutely adore to hear what your favorite races that you would love to see as a demon hunter like cart cart freaking in chat uh said Volpera demon hunters i could see that little little tiny flippy fox people with demons inside of them why not fell foxes let's go for it our next question comes from noel Wiz uh from our discord channel uh, i recently unlocked the light forge Drenai and noticed that you can see azeroth out in front of their spaceship pandaria comes up at about the the equator while northman is near the north pole and we can see all of the places we visited on Azeroth. So what what's on the rest of the planet? What would you want to find on the rest of the planet? In theory, we could we can see about half of the planet from the ship, so there's at least another half of Azeroth for stuff to be put on. P.S. I know that this is probably just something uh, pretty that might not accurately represent Azeroth lore-wise, but it seems like fun to speculate. Matt, the world, what would you like to see? Well, I you know, ever since... They they brought that up at BlizzCon a few years ago. Um, yeah, I, I I'm okay with the idea that Pandaria is about at equator level and Northrend is at the nor- northern pole of the planet, and that means it's what we're looking at is about the size of like proportionately it's it's taking about the same amount of world surface as say Europe and the northern part of Africa. So there's a lot more we could be going to, and I'm totally cool with that. I have no idea what it would be. Um, keep in mind that Kalimdor itself was once just one big continent. Uh, assuming that it was one big continent that took up the chunk, you know, it was like about the size of Eurasia or even just the European and Northern African and some of Asian parts of that. Uh, what would there be? I don't know. Um, for one thing, at one point, a continent blew up. Yeah. So there were worldwide calamities from that. That's That's not a situation where where that happened and everybody else didn't know what happened. The, even if you don't know what happened, something happened. There were probably some messed up winters. Ocean flow would change completely. Uh, there's a, a ton of stuff happened when that happened. All, right now, I find myself wondering if there's like other continents on Azeroth. Is like raw Azerite popping out of those continents? And they have no freaking idea why? Like, what yeah, is this Magni stuff? hasn't gone there. <laughs> yeah, what is this stuff? Why is it coming out of the ground? Why is it when I hold it, I get ideas for new war machines I never had before? Like, is there an arms race going? Like, there could be like some bug people who are not Akir and no, no idea about the old gods, but there could be some bug people having like you know a, a massive arms race with some like giant donkeys or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what the other races of Azeroth look like. That's the thing is you could really do anything. Mm-hmm. You could do anything. Uh, and that's something that to, to keep in mind is like, is that where old Doris is? Is like, yeah, are these, are the other old facilities on other continents? Like I was, I was going to bring that up too, because like, we don't know the full breadth of it. Like we could, sure. We might be able to discover them on the current land masses we have, but what if there's more land masses out there? What if there's more Titan facilities? What if there are Titan constructs or Titan forge that we haven't seen yet? It opens up a massive amount of possibilities of new races, new stories that you could have on the planet, like that we don't necessarily have to go to another planet or to another dimension or another plane of existence to experience, you know? And the interesting thing about that to me is with Shadowlands being the next expansion, it would be a very interesting way to introduce new lands like that too, because the Shadowlands technically touches everything. All the souls of Azeroth yeah, yeah. go there. Like at this point, like finally, finally, when we broke Death, that's when people from another continent show up going, "What are you doing? Yep. Why do you guys keep wrecking everything? It's like up till now, they, lots of weird stuff was happening, but." But they were like, you know, it's a long trip, and we've never actually been there. We don't know how to get there. But finally, like, nope, get a, get a ship ready. We're going over there because this this has got to stop. My my grandma came back from the dead to tell me that death was broken. I'm not having this. It's like, you know, seriously, you, you broke death. Good job, guys. Well, and the other thing that I think is interesting about that, too, with the breaking of death is, uh, the other aspect is when you look at Shadowlands, you have all these new creatures that are formed but a lot of the ones we run into or that we've seen so far with some exception are more loosely based on races that we've already encountered, but there are some that aren't. And it would be an interesting thing like 
yeah, okay, we have these weird, like, Ardenweld, Elvish-type things, these Venedreth, like, vampire-type things. You know, we might have, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, why can't I think of their name now? The weird bat demon dudes. Oh, why can't Dreadlords? I? Yes, the Dreadlords. The Nathrazine. We might see something that looks like them. But, like, little owl people. What if they? What if that's based off of something that exists somewhere else? I just think it would be very interesting to sort of see more of Azeroth. Like, like they said, I remember, I think it was 2008 when I went to BlizzCon and there was one of their very first like world development panels. It was one of the first years they did something like that. And Metzen was, was there and he was talking about it. And one of the things he said there that, could just be an artifact of time at this point, but I will never forget is that we've barely scratched the surface of the lands of Azeroth. And it seemed like such a throwaway line. And again, this was 2008. This is before like our fan sites were really like the big things or anything like that. But I would, I always loved that idea because it, it spoke to me of almost like a D and D esque level world creation where you could just continually make new lands and continually have new and interesting stories and new and interesting dynamics. And like some of the players have been asking for, for a very, 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 very long time for as long as I can remember is, can we have a third faction that isn't horde or Alliance? Well, this is another opportunity. If they ever wanted to do that, that's how they could do it. Here's a land of people that aren't associated with either of these factions. Like this could open up so many opportunities Sorry, I'm 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 gushing about it because like the the inner D and D nerd in me is like this is how I create worlds sometimes where I let players help define what comes next and I keep you know I think we've talked about it before the idea that that would be cool if there was like an actual world exploration yeah expansion not yes. not so much oh god we broke everything again let's we gotta fix it oh though when we were fixing it we broke everything even worse. Like, you know, every expansion we careen drunkenly from disaster to disaster. They're all self-caused. We've been blowing up everything for a long time now. At this point, even Malfurion would be like, guys, you got to chill with destroying everything. I, I know I know. for me this is a big thing, but come on. Or, I only did it once. You guys have been doing it every five weeks. And, so, and it's funny you mention that. Cool because like, got They got away from that. And you're talking about, like, the elves and, and, and everything that they've done where they've reclaimed some of their lands. I, maybe they ex start exploring some of the world to like get away from the horde. They just don't want to deal with it anymore. They're done with the alliance. They want to find new lands. Maybe elven explorers go out and find new lands. Like there's many ways that they could do this, and I'm I'm here for it. I absolutely am. But that's that's all of our questions. And it's three o'clock, so it's pretty much time to wrap this thing up. So uh, do you, you have the script there? I am going to do my closing. I just wasn't sure if you wanted to do anything else. So I will do the closing. Okay, and then I'll do. I'll come in for the last thing after that. So go Fantastic. for it. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, again, guys, if you have a question for the show, you can email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com or you can send it to our our patron Q and podcast questions channel on Discord. If you email it, please you know tell us it's podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks for celebrating my shoulders with me because it is an important <laughs> milestone in World of Warcraft that I got my shoulders and I'm never going to shut up about it. So just get used to this. Um, we're going to be here again next week around the same time, unless there's, you know, some reason not to be. Uh, thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.